and into this evening. We'll look at some scattered showers and storms to return. That brings back more widespread rain for tomorrow as well. Straight talk, first thing in the AM. The government works for us, not the other way around. The Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. Talk 94.5. If you like cycling and you love your police officer, then you're going to love this guy. Christopher Lawrence. He's a police officer from Gaston County from North Carolina. He is biking 1,000 miles from Boston to Charleston, passing wow. through our area today. And he is on a mission. Let's find out if more. if he any tips for Biden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be cool. Good morning, Officer Lawrence. Hey, good morning, ma'am. How are you? Good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and um, and why. Why are you doing it? Well, last year, um, I, fe- I retired from Gaston County Police Department. Uh, I worked there for 30 years, and I wanted to do a bicycle trip to kind of, I don't know, reaffirm my feeling that there were good people in the world other than what we dealt with all the time in our job. Mm. Uh, so I planned a bicycle ride um, and found a group that I wanted to support with it called Blue Help. Um, last year, I rode from Astoria, Oregon to Yorktown, Virginia, which was uh, almost 4,300 miles. Mm. Wow. Um, all I met was good people on the trip. Um, I set up a little Facebook group called A Penny for Their Fault and asked for people to sponsor me for one penny per mile that I ride. Hmm. Um, had a goal to raise for Blue Help $5,000, and we exceeded it and raised a little over $60,000. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. The, the, the goal of my ride is to, um, well, it's to honor those that have died by suicide hmm. uh, in the first responder profession. That's police, fire, EMS, and dispatchers. Uh, people really, I don't think, understand the, the level of stress that officers are under and firefighters, you know, all, all first responders, but specifically for the police officers. Um, it has a very high suicide rate compared to other professions. Mm-hmm. And uh, in going out during my rides, if I see officers on the side of the road, firefighters, you know, I'll stop in at fire departments, uh, talk to the officers. And we're trying to reduce the stigma that's associated with uh, saying, I need a little bit of mental health in the first responder world, because there's such a stigma associated with that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we hear about it. Uh, we, we, we recently heard a lot about police suicide. Uh, and I'm going to say uh, I was really, really, um, after the January 6th situation in D.C., we had heard about police officers, of, like within a few months after that, and of course, politics, they tried to connect it to the event, but they were talking about police officers who, who had committed suicide. And to me, that was the bigger story, were that these police officers were uh, committing suicide. And, and I was wondering um, why. And suicide is such a conversation that's so taboo, and we're not talking about it because it's a very, it's, a, it's not a comfortable subject to, to talk about. Um, we try to bring it up. As much as possible here with with, in, with help, you know, along with that. But um, amongst people who are first responders, and we've talked about this so many times, um, and military members as well, they see things that uh, they see incidents of the human condition that 
most of us will never see in our life. And you see it multiple times, high stress level. It, it's got to do something to your psyche. Um, and and you need to be debriefed, and that needs to be cared for. Do you feel that the current leadership in policing does not understand that, or maybe their hands are tied because of economics? Yeah, I don't feel like it's really an economical, it shouldn't be an economical issue. Uh, you take care of officers with uh, putting body armor on them to protect them from being shot. Uh, you put them in you know, high-tech vehicles with airbags to protect them. But there's not that much protection for them mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you talking think, more about prevention? Um, are think, there ways to make you stronger mentally to handle what you're going to go through? Well, I, I think that it's a compound trauma situation. You know, maybe today you go to a really bad domestic where, uh, where one of the family members has been assaulted and, and you have a death investigation, and tomorrow you're at a car wreck, you know, and then maybe the next day it's fine, and then on the next day you come back to work, you're in a chase, and it, it, it's the trauma mm-hmm. that is compound. It compounds one after another after another, and people say, well, you know, I leave it at work, but you you truly cannot just leave it at work. You carry it home with you. You might mm-hmm. hide it and keep it inside, but you keep it with you, Um what I tell the officers when I encounter them is that over the course of your career, every call you go to, you pick up something, a little mm-hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. And you keep picking up little pieces, and maybe there's an instant that's a big piece that weighs a little heavier on you. Mm-hmm. But over the course of your career, pieces get heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can see that, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's your job as the police officer. You're there to fix situations. You know, if you go to a situation, a call, when you leave, that, that call is handled. It it might be a temporary fix, but you have handled that call. When you start looking at yourself and you start experiencing problems, well, you're the fixer. You're the person that fixes stuff. So you try and fix it, and sometimes these officers and first responders can't figure out how to fix it, mm-hmm. and they end up spiraling downward. And they're afraid to go and say, I've got some mental stuff going on because maybe they find them not fit for duty. And, you know, they're the yep. provider Take for their household. Badge. Sure. You yeah. know, so it, it, it's a fearful situation to be in when, mm-hmm. when they start experiencing that. But we're losing so many officers and first responders every year to suicide mm. that something needs to change with how it's looked at. Um, yesterday, I spoke with a young officer. She had been on the department for two years and. And the words that came out of her mouth really inspired me some is because she said maybe it needs to be preventative. Yeah, you know. that's what made when you were talking about it, you know, like, you know, you put them on, you put body armor and you do all this stuff to protect them from getting physically injured. Um, there there must be a way to strengthen your mind and emotions. Um, and that I mean, obviously, that's what you need to be, because after, you know, after you're, you know, if it gets through and it starts to impact your heart, your your soul, you, you know, it impacts you physically, mentally, you know, and so, and then sometimes you start to spiral. And then by the time anybody's around you that can help you, um, you're already, you know, on your way to drowning, you know, in, in yeah. this. Um, and, and sometimes it's too late. You know, I've, I've talked to people who have had suicide in their family. And the one thing they, they say to me is, 
I never saw it coming. I knew they were struggling with some things, but I never saw this coming. I can't believe they did this to me. I can't believe they were selfish enough to do this. And then I, I listen to them because they're so angry. And I, under, I, I understand where that's coming from. But, you know, um, I think about the person and what they're suffering in silence for so long because they don't want to show weakness. They're used to being the fixer. They're used to being the, the saver. Um, and the next thing you know, they're the ones who need saving. And there's a lot of pride involved in that. There's a lot of like, hey, uh, let me just get through this one more day. But then that one last thing happens and they can't overcome it. And it seems like a shock to everybody else, you know. Um, right. And so prevention, I think, is something that should start before they even walk the beat. Well, and, you know, and they try to prevent they try to prepare officers for situations like that, but I, I think that they've got in now to where they're doing critical incident stress debriefings, which are good. But at the end of that, everybody leaves, and it's let us know if you need some help. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they're not going to do that. Right. They're not going to come back and say, yeah, I'm having some problems. Some will, but the vast majority will not. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it needs to be something that's mandated, you know, administratively through the policy and procedures of the departments that says, you know, this period of time you're going to go and you're going to speak with some professional in this field, um, you know, X number of times over a certain period of uh, in in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't. I think everybody's starting to see it. You know, it really came to the forefront with the military personnel and mm-hmm. how many of those that we lose to suicide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are starting to, to take notice and say, you know, yeah, there's some things going on. And it's not just part of their job. It's not their job to carry those yeah. emotions with them and not know how to deal with it. And, you know, it's, uh, it, Christopher, it's something. It, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, I, I was just going to say that in, in many ways, falling into a, uh, addiction is a form of suicide. Because it starts, but it's not, per, you know, it's not permanent. You can get out of it, but I'm saying like they, they numb themselves. And, right. and yeah, a lot of them do that. You mm-hmm. know, they, they turn to alcohol yeah. or something like that to, I guess, alleviate the feelings that they're having or maybe numb them down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know what the answer is, but I know part of the answer is people talking about it and not being ashamed to talk about it That's and right. saying, I need a little bit of help. Now, um, for anybody that might be listening now, Christopher, we're speaking with Christopher Lawrence. He is biking in the middle, uh, well, more than the middle. He's biking from uh, Boston to Charleston. It's 1,000 miles to bring awareness to first responders' mental health. He's going to be leaving Windy Hill in North Myrtle Beach, heading over to Merle's Inlet today. And uh, he's going to tell us more about that. You can go to his Facebook page, A Penny for Their Thoughts, to make a donation or to find out more about his mission. Um, is there a, uh, for anybody that's listening right now, do you know of a, uh, a, a an organization or a phone number or something, if someone who's struggling right now or know someone who's struggling that they can turn to well, for you, help? The easiest thing to do would be to just to Google. I mean, just about everyone has access to uh, internet, mm-hmm. yep. you know, nowadays. Uh, suicide hotline, they could call that. Um, first responders, if they want somebody that's going to be um, more in line with what they have experienced. Um, you can always send a message to Blue Help. You can call Blue Help, um, and they will put you in touch with um, 
you know, someone that would be able to talk with you and maybe assist you with the problems and, that you're and having. And that's who you're running, uh, raising money for, bluehealth.org, right? Yeah, bluehelp, H-E-L-P, dot org. Oh, help, um, help. Yes, okay, ma'am. it's it's, uh, it's it was typed incorrectly here. So it's bluehelp.org, H-E-L-P. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And they, they've changed their, they actually changed their name. They started as Blue Help and they still have, they maintain Blue Help, but they changed their official name to First Help. Oh. Because they, as they got into this, they realized that it's all first responders yeah. and it's not just police. Mm-hmm. So they have branched out to help police, fire, EMS, and dispatchers. So, Christopher, can you tell us how people can participate other than uh, besides donating to your efforts? Um, how else can they participate? Uh, I was told that people can pedal along. If you see me riding, you're more than welcome to come out. I am not fast. I'm riding a bicycle that probably weighs 110 pounds. <laughs> um, I'm not fast. And if you're not as fast as me, I'll slow down and ride with you if you're willing to come out and ride. Uh, I'll be the I'll be the old gray-headed guy with the gray beard uh, and the yellow shirt. Uh, looks like the Jeg Clampett's going down the roadway on my bicycle with all my gear. <laughs> All right. And where can people um, hook up with you? At what time? Where? Well, it's hard for me to give a timeline okay. because, I, you know, I encounter sometimes you might have a mechanical issue with the bicycle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just get tired and I have to stop for a little while. Um, I'll be coming down Highway 17 from Merle's Inlet. Um, I, I'm sorry, from Windy Hill going towards Merle's Inlet today. Um, the, the biggest part of my riding I've finished, I don't have a lot of mileage left. Um, I have a former coworker that's retired from Gaston County Police Department that lives in Merle's Inlet. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to stay with them tonight. Uh, last night and the night before I was fortunate. I had a friend that was a volunteer, who was a volunteer firefighter with me and, uh, he retired from Gastonia Fire Department and I stayed with him and his family. They're on vacation here in Windy Hill. Oh. And, this year has been a lot different than last year. Mm-hmm. Being on the East Coast and the population density is a, tremendously more than what it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes last year I'd go through towns that had 30 people in them or 40 people in them. It was called the Trans-America Bicycle to get a shower. Uh, my shower was baby wipes. <laughs> um, but this trip has been a lot different. I've had a lot of support from police officers uh, I stayed at a fire department in New York in the Queens, Jamaica area uh, with retired officers and uh, and an active officer in South Hold, Long Island. Um, ah, you know, I, I've had I've had a lot of I've yeah. had a lot of help. Yeah, and I've met a lot of people and got to talk to a lot of people. And uh, now I'm starting to get questions about what next year is going to be. Well, so, this is uh, you're on a mission, and the mission is growing, and people are hearing your message, and we are um, very happy to be able to participate in in that and helping get your message out. You can go to a penny for their thoughts on Facebook. You can uh, follow Christopher Lawrence's, um, you know, trek, um, if you will, to Merle's Inlet from Windy Hill today. Um, any any last minute thoughts, Christopher? Um. You- <laughs> And you always worry when I get down near the coast and you got tourists coming in and they're sightseeing and maybe they're not paying attention to what's going on. I just uh, don't hit me in the head with the mirror on your car and I'd appreciate it. <laughs> That's right. Keep your eye out. You're wearing a bright yellow uh, vest, I'm sure. So, got a bright yellow biking shirt. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for all that you're doing to bring attention to help protect our first responders. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. 
All right. So good luck to Christopher Lawrence, and uh, we wish you a, a great Monday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. We have a lot going on uh, tomorrow as well. And, uh, you know, another great show, of course, with Upstream with Breitbart News. Jerome Hudson will be joining us at 835. And don't forget to go out and vote tomorrow.